podcast one production. You have the impression of a boundary being a clear line. And I think um, when you're talking about work boundaries, it's, it's much more blurred than that. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX listed companies. And this is Fast Track. Today, how to create boundaries. My guest, Jill Hannaford. She's the Technical Services Leader, Australia, with GHD. Let me ask you a couple of questions that were recently asked in a survey. Would you lend your best friend your house? Would you lend your best friend your car? Would you lend your best friend your partner? And then would you lend your best friend your smartphone? Now, 90% of people are happy to share their clothes and their house. 50% of people are happy to share their partner. And 70% of people are happy to share their car with their best friend. But it's no surprise that only 5% of people said yes to the smartphone. There's a real tension around our attachment to our phones and that representing work and that we've got them with us 24-7. So instead of being intentional about the way we spend our time and intentional about the way that we live our lives, we end up sitting in a coffee shop on the weekend doing a few emails that we didn't get done during the week or finishing off that presentation. So is this flexibility at its best or are these blurred boundaries at their worst? Today we'll fast track so you can understand what are boundaries, why do we need to set them and how do we do it? Imminently qualified to talk about this is Jill Hannaford, Senior Executive at GHD and one of Australia's biggest engineering firms. So Jill, boundaries are increasingly blurred at work for all of us. Why do you think that's so? Well, the first thing I guess to say about boundaries for me is that... um, you know, you have the impression of a boundary being a clear line. And I think um, when you're talking about work boundaries, it's it's much more blurred than that. So the line is quite broad and fuzzy. Um, and the reason that they are increasingly blurred and difficult to manage in a work context is because of technology. Um, but that's there's a pros and a con to that, I guess, Margie. Um, you know, working from home um, is provides incredible flexibility, um, but then it means you're on all the time. So I think technology is a big player. I also think globalisation is a big player. So needing to be talking to people um, uh, in other parts of the world at different in different time zones, um, as we become increasingly global, then that's a real a real issue for us. Yeah, I often hear people talking about this speed too, mm-hmm. like that you've got to you've got to feel like you've got to answer really quickly. Um, uh, do you think yeah. that plays a part in it as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a real lesson for us all is to actually not have that impulsive, I need to respond to this straight away, but to stop and think about your response. And that might mean leaving it for a day when you're actually sitting at your desk or um, at your computer. Okay. So we've got technology demanding um, the smartphone with us all the time. Um, We're working from home. We've had some flexibility. So tell me about the concept and the skill of setting boundaries for yourself at work. Yeah. So look, I think that comes really from... um, you know, acknowledging why it's good to be having using technology outside of your formal workplace um, and knowing that there are real benefits of that. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do what I've done without 
using that technology and probably blurring those boundaries a bit. Tell me a bit about what you've done, Jill. I'm really interested in how this has actually personally impacted you. Mm, mm. So I think, um, you know, I I had four children. Um, Life was turned upside down when um, my marriage um, disintegrated and I guess um, I needed to quickly work out how I was going to provide for the four children on my own and create a stable environment for them going forward. The eldest was only eight, so there was a big road ahead. And I realised that I needed to work and be actively involved in my work, not only from a financial perspective, but also from a role modelling perspective. I wanted my children to see that it was possible to get on and do things. But that meant working at all times to fit in around my family, really. So the boundaries were blurred and I started to think of the way I was doing it as more of a work-life integration than balance because achieving balance was never um, going to be possible and I would start to punish myself for not getting that balance. So, Okay, that's really interesting. So the this idea of blurred boundaries or balance is really, it's actually not to punish yourself mm. and try and be perfect, mm. but much more around the management in mm. your circumstances. Yes, it was very unique to me. I didn't know too many people who were doing what I was doing. Uh, so I think, yeah, working out how it could work for me and that I could still be an active parent, I could, you know, sleep well at night, not feel overly stressed all the time, meant that I had to be very clear about what was important to me. You know, there were some things that really mattered to me at that time. Mm, like like being available for the kids. So being around, um, going to the things at the school, um, being able to, you know, go home if from the office if something, someone needed me. Um, so work was important, but it wasn't the only thing. Um, and I think putting that in perspective has kind of helped me along the way. Okay. So what's the top tips and ingredients to being able to have this discussion about being where you need to be, which is not the traditional nine to five or eight to mm. six workplace, high visibility, you know, and you might not always be answering the phone on time. How do you get that relationship with your workplace? Um, I think, you know, being very passionate about what you do. So everybody that I would come across knew that I loved what I did. I was very keen on Um, and knew that the work I was going to do, I guess, was going to be something that I would do for the rest of my life, whether I was employed to do it or not. So um, being very passionate about it, being able to provide quick um, responses and learning to delegate, to teach others and to take others along a journey so that it didn't all rely on me. I'm very much of the view that um, I'm one person and I'm completely dispensable. So um, getting others to feel part of what I was doing was really important in not being so reliant on me as an individual, I guess. And I've known you for a long time, Jill, Mm. and the one thing we would say about you is you are definitely not a victim. So you've gone in with really extraordinary circumstances and you're working full time, you're bringing up four kids on your own and there are a lot of competing interests, but you didn't present yourself ever as poor me. You said, this is what I want to do and this is how I want to do it and can we work together? That's what I've heard. Hmm. I've always thought that there's a need to, for me to be really honest about the circumstances. I think 
the circumstances were difficult, but there are plenty of people who've got significantly more challenging circumstances than I've faced. So um, I, I very early on realised that I was capable. I was able to, to get on and do things. Um, I could teach my kids good values about work, about focusing on what matters um, and about somehow enjoying the times that you had together. So a big part of our family situation is, for example, that every single day we sit down to a meal together. Um, Now that requires everybody to switch off from whatever else is going on in their lives. So I think those little things have really made a difference. Yeah, we've got a rule in our house. If you bring your phone to the dinner table, you do the dishes. It actually works (laughs) a treat. Anyway, so I also know that the first 10 years of my career, no kids, Mm-hmm. Um, I worked ridiculous hours mm-hmm. and I often forgot to take holidays. I was mesmerised by work, but I was also had this sort of overinflated sense of responsibility that I had to be really, really like always on, even though we didn't even have smartphones back in the day. Mm-hmm. So if we're, if they're, you know, thinking about those first parts of your career when you're trying really hard, is it relevant to set boundaries then, do you think? I think it really is. Um, and I think your reflection on the fact that we didn't have the smartphones then meant that you probably did switch off more than you realised because you went home, you probably had a weekend or you might have gone into the office for a bit of catch-up work, but when you walked away, you weren't still connected to the office. So I think the boundaries weren't as blurred then um, and the line was was um, much thinner. Uh, I remember clearly um, when I was doing my master's degree, I would jump on a bus at four o'clock, go up to Sydney Uni for lectures and then go back to the office after my lectures to finish stuff off. And I look now and think what, you know, surely that didn't need to be done. Um, but it, it did it did give me that sense of um, really driving and striving, which at that time I needed. And I'm glad I did that because it certainly laid excellent foundations for the time when I really did need to draw on my pocket full of tricks um, when I was on my own with four kids and I needed to work hard. What are the indicators that we need to start looking at setting boundaries at work? Look, I think it's the really simple thing. So for me, sleep has always been vital. So if I'm not sleeping well and work starts to mingle in with my sleep patterns, then I know I need to pull back or I need to do something different. It's the things like, have I read a book in the last couple of months? Something which I love. And when I haven't done that, I think, oh, it's taking over. I need to do something differently. Um, Those simple things are the things that really make me um, sit up and think, oh, I need to take a break or I do something differently. I actually find now that with four children, school holidays come around, I want to take time off, but I shouldn't because of some pressure at work. Those That juggling is now a little bit harder than, than I've experienced before. So I'm finding, I'm saying to myself, I really need to do that really important technique that we all need to do, and that is block time out of my diary. I mean, we have so many meetings, Margie. I know you you facilitate lots of them, but you know we have so many meetings. So how do you clear your diary so you can take a break when you need to? Yeah, I know. And that's the big, that's the big call out for me. So Jill, prioritizing. Tell me, how do we get ahead of the task? Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the one thing that I've learned is to um, 
to put things in fairly neat compartments um, despite the blurred lines. So this is what needs to be done now. Don't worry about all the other things that are coming along behind. Get get focus on this one. Um, I really believe that I prioritise the task based on my values. So what's important to me, what's important to the organisation that I work for right now. I'm very fortunate to be with an organisation that values its people. So that means that I'm able to do that quite effectively. Mm. So here's a question I want you to think about. Co-workers, right? So you might mm-hmm. have an organisation that's really helpful and, yep. and looking after you, but what happens when your co-workers or your leader demands that extra bit from you, the 1am email or the extra bits and pieces. What yeah. do you do? I don't think I've ever sent a 1am email. Um, I certainly don't work, um, never done an all-nighter at work, never will. Um, it's sort of not part of what I've ever needed to do and not part of my psyche. Uh, I have a workplace that um, I found that if I've been very honest with my co-workers, my, my managers, then they've understood um, what I need to do. They know that I'll put the effort in and put the work in uh, when I need to. Um, but with within some clear boundaries. So my values are very clear on what matters to me and what matters and is most important to me is my family. So that's been how I've led my way at work for a very long time and I don't see that changing. So just like me in the first 10 years of my career, I really loved what I did and I had Mm. lots of blurred boundaries, didn't know how to take a holiday. And there are a lot of people out there who really love their job and will work endlessly in their role. Is that sustainable? Well, I think it it depends on what motivates you and energises you. So um, it will be sustainable for a period of time, but whether it's sustainable over a career that might last, I don't know, 30, 40 years or we're working longer. Um, So I I feel like I'm in it for the long game. So I know that I will need to be working um, both um, intellectually, but also financially for quite a while. Um, So I have paced myself somewhat in the last uh, 10 or 11 years to really meld the family work piece together. Mm. So it's okay to work hard as long as you're doing that intentionally, I hear. And if you choose not to, then that's the intentional piece as well. Yes, it's, that's right. It's actually thinking about it um, and and, and um, acknowledging where you are in that cycle. So for a while when my kids were much smaller, I could have said, I feel like I'm treading water at work because I couldn't give it that really focused determined energy. But some other things I learned then, um, such as how to how to delegate, how to teach others, um, how to be very honest about what was going on, have really put me in good stead for leadership roles that I'm in now. Okay. So I'm really hearing self-reflection is incredibly important around this one. Yeah. Uh, some of my clients were talking the other week around this idea of being seduced by everybody else's problems. And so they were spending so much time doing other people's work mm-hmm. or hearing the things and they weren't able until they sat back and said, actually, what is my role? What am I carving out for myself? And how do I want to live my life? So what's important to me right now? Yeah. So that self-reflection is really important. Have you Mm. got any tips about a disciplined way to get that moving? Um, Look, I think I was, I had a tendency to take on everybody's issues and problems and particularly being female in a very male dominated workplace um, meant that I had lots of females coming to me saying, I need your advice. I need to know what to do. Um, I always made it very clear that they had to lead those conversations um, and not me and initiate things um, if they wanted to... to, 
to spend time with me, not because I felt precious about it, but because it needed to come from them. Um, and I think they um, sometimes um, couldn't get that, didn't get that. I remember mentoring one girl in particular and I just really felt like it wasn't working. She wasn't taking much initiative. It felt very forced. And so I called it and said, it's not it's not working for you or me. You need to find a different sort of mentor. And I see her regularly now and she thanks me for the fact that it stopped and made her reflect. So I think finding someone who can challenge you and, and get you to think about those sort of things that you don't want to necessarily address is really important too. And do you have any rituals that you use to think about how you're spending your time and what you're doing? I don't have formalised rituals. I'm probably not that structured in my thinking, but I do have um, periods of time when I know it's me time and I do some reflecting then. Um, I love conversations, so I get to, if I can have a chat about what's going on for me with a trusted friend, um, then that sometimes clarifies things for me. Um and over the years, because of the circumstances I've been in, I've used professionals to help me um, to, you know, think things through and work out some of those fundamental pieces like what really does matter and what will I focus on when I'm confronted with a million things in, ahead of me in one day or week or year. I really love this idea about being honest with yourself and taking the time out to reflect about how you're living your life and mm. then making some choices, even if they're simple, like you described. Have I read a book? Mm. You know, checking in on yourself and then having the opportunity to really think about, is this the right way for me to be working? And is this the way I choose to be living my life right now? Very powerful. I don't think anyone should forget to ever take a holiday. That's no. my tip <laughs> for the day. Uh, thanks, Jill. So remember, make good choices when you're boundary setting. I know I'm going to revisit some of these tips. It's about knowing yourself, reflecting, checking on what's important, and then communicating that respectfully with others about how you work and creating great habits for yourself. Fast Track is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan, audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au.